Hi, hi everyone. Uh, look, tonight we've got a very special guest with us. Many of us know and love Reverend Marcus Ardern, who's been a part of the life of Metro Church for oh, decades now and has really been such an inspiration and a blessing to every one of us, not only for his teaching uh, out of the scripture, but also because of the phenomenal stories and the way he's lived his life. And many of you will recall some of those incredible stories and the way that they've happened. So uh, tonight, because we're at the end of this series on big, on living a large life, the one that God intended for us, I've asked Marcus to just help us understand how do I do this on a daily basis. So let's give a big welcome right now to Reverend Marcus Ardern. Here he is. Woohoo! The crowd cheers and roars. Uh, Marcus, great to have you with us. Thank you for taking the time on the other side of this great country to share with us some of the insights over the years that you've been following Jesus. Uh, I want to start with Romans 8 verse 14, which says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so it's a right of every child of God to be led by the Holy Spirit. And yet for so many people, it's kind of confusing because they feel like, well, it's a, a lofty plane that there's a secret password to. And if I don't know how to get there or, or we fall into the trap of going, is it me or is that God or whatever? I thought I'd ask you, you told me the other day the story of a man you met on the foreshore. So can we start with that quite incredible story? And then I want to ask you some questions out of it. So over to you. Okay. Well, it was quite a while ago now, a few years ago, I was walking along the Esplanade in town school with um, Pastor Darren Nosworthy and his wife, Janine. And we were just sauntering along, having a chat, not trying to be deeply spiritual or anything. And a man came up to us and addressing me said, uh, that he had bladder cancer. And he also asked if he went to England, if he was trying to make use of his time because he thought it might be limited. He said, do you know some places I could go to in England? And what was curious about it is that I didn't accost him, he accosted me. And I've had a lot to do with England. I've spent many, many, many times over the years there. So I was able to tell him some places to go over there. And also I had bladder cancer at the same time, so I was able to say, me too. And that formed a, a basis of friendliness. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about how when you make a friend, uh, one of the first statements you make to each other is, me too, I also. And that was, so we had common ground straight away. And I said to him, would you mind if we pray? you and I said look it's no no coincidence that you've met me uh, this is a divine appointment so let's pray and he allowed us to pray for him lay hands on him and pray for him and then he went his way I gave him my number and years passed and the other day I got a call from him I had looked him up on Google to see who he was and uh, what he was in the business community and so on and and I have a good memory, which the Lord has given me, which has helped because when he phoned up after years of absence, 
I said, look, I promised I would pray for you, and I have been praying for you. How is it going? And he talked for half an hour, three quarters of an hour, declaring his life and what had been happening and how he'd gone. And to me, that's typical of God because he cares what kind of a day you have. He loves all his children. And I want others to find the light that came to us. And it was a simple, straightforward thing. What I found remarkable is that years had passed and the seed kept alive. And obviously God had been working somehow in his heart over, the, over those years without my help. I had texted him and emailed him, but I hadn't got a reply. But when the time was right and when he felt ready to reply, he did. Up there in wherever it was, in Siberia, you know, meeting President Mitterrand of France kind of by accident. And, and some of them have been quite spectacular. Others of them I know from talking to you are just the everyday part of life. Help, help us all, because again, you know, the Bible says that God's no respecter of persons. So if he will lead you by that, then he will lead all of us if we know what to look for and how to respond. Uh, well, a verse that has blessed me for years in Philippians 2.13 that says it is God that works within you to will and to do his own good pleasure. Right. So in your own heart, there, there are times that you feel prompted to something. Mm. It might be your imagination and it might be God, so it's worth giving it a go to find out which one. Have you? Can I jump in there and say, have you ever been wrong about it? Many, many times, but it's worth being wrong a thousand times for one soul saved. It's, it's not an exam, so it doesn't matter if you fail. It doesn't matter if you're completely wrong. Um, right. Because sometimes you're right, and that makes all the difference. I mean, if this man finds the Lord, then it's worth being wrong a few times. I love that verse in Hebrews where it talks about those who, by reason of use, have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. Hebrews 5, 14, yes. And in that exercising is how we learn, much the same as if you watch a little child learn to walk. They don't learn to walk by never walking until they've got it perfect. They learn to walk by getting up and falling over and stumbling. And we're not making, uh, you know, uh, a non-event out of getting it wrong, but we are saying if we are willing to go on the journey with the Holy Spirit and say, begin to teach me, Lord, how to hear your voice, and we lean in, we might get it wrong, but that's how we're going to learn to get it right. That's right. Well, in uh, Isaiah 1.19, it says... Right. Yeah, if you consent and obey, you'll eat the good of the land. I consent to following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and I obey his promptings. Is, can I jump in again? Is that conscious for you as an everyday? Like, do you begin every day saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? Yes, I do. And commit your way to the Lord. The Bible right. says, and he'll bring it to pass. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he'll direct your paths. That's Proverbs right. 6. And I do do that. And even with big purchases, like if I wanted to buy a floor lamp or something, I'm not oofy spooky about it that I've got to have divine direction all the time. Not at all. 
But if it's a big expenditure, I will say, Heavenly Father, do you agree with this purchase or not? Mm. And then I go with what feels right. Mm. And even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter because I'm trying to honor him. And he says, then that honor me, I will honor. If your heart is to honor God and you get something wrong, it's okay. Where I, where I wouldn't follow a prompting is when it's directing another person. So I wouldn't say, the Lord tells me that you should marry so-and-so or you should go there or go there. Right. I, I never do that. I believe it's wrong to direct other people. But to direct yourself, that's quite a different issue. Uh, and then you ask the Lord and see what happens. Uh, there is a condition in uh, Psalm 51, verse 6, that says you must be ruthlessly honest in order to be guided. Wow. What it says there, it says, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, King James Version. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, thou wilt cause me to know wisdom. So thou wilt cause me to know means the mover is God, not you. The person who causes you to know is God. But the condition is truth in the inner parts. So be very honest about this. No exaggerations, no lies, no half-truths. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into the truth. I'm sure you've seen, like I have over the years, people who mean well and try to, rather than say I got it wrong, they don't want to make it seem like God's wrong, so they invent all kinds of That's right. excuses that really don't bless anybody, yeah. I remember a very religious lady that met my friend James, and she kept calling him David because she got his name wrong. And he said, look, I'm not David, I'm James. And she said, oh, well, then you must be a David after the spirit. <laughs> it would have been easier to say, oh, I made a mistake. I do think, though, Marcus, one of the key verses I remember learning, and I was only a young Christian, really, was Luke eleven thirteen. It really impacted me. If you men being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And there is an eagerness of God to walk with us. God's not hard to find or hard to know. He wants us to be his children. That's right. And God's got a big, generous heart, and he blesses mm. us so that we can bless others. Mm. So it's in God's own personal interest to bless us so that we've got testimonies. Yes. And, and uh, you know, when Jesus was uh, talking to the Apostle Paul, giving him his marching directions and his guidance, he said, I want you to witness that which I will show you. And right. so every time you get an answer to prayer or a confirmation, uh, it uh, confirms your faith. And the Holy Spirit is also whispering in your heart saying that you are a child of God. And every successful following of the Holy Spirit with a confirmation, Jesus said, I tell you things before they come to pass so that you may believe. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. I think as you follow the Holy Spirit, you get so many confirmations of your faith. They fade. Jesus said, even if somebody's raised from the dead in front of them, uh, they won't believe unless they believe the testimony of Moses. So mm. if you refuse to accept scripture, a bunch of miracles won't keep you going. But for a few days they do. When I, when I have a breakthrough, I feel elated. But I'm aware that it won't last. But scripture does. How important, because you just mentioned it there, how important do you think it is 
to be immersed in the scriptures, to be somebody that more than just hears a sermon, but has a personal devotional life, whatever that looks like, uh, as in whatever time or place or how whatever style, how important to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is it that you at least read or uh, ingest the written word? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. The Bible says, uh, does not my word do good to him that findeth it, but he who despises it shall be in debt to it. Uh, sometimes when I listen to the God channel, I hear preachers saying things that are contrary to the word of God that could never work and don't work because they're not scriptural. But if you keep reading the word of God, the Holy Spirit will keep guiding you into the truth. Uh, I have a friend who's got mental impairments and uh, learning difficulties. And he often comes up with scriptures that are just so wonderful and he gets a revelation of them wow. because the Spirit of God explains the Word of God. Right. And that's what Jesus said in John 17. He said, thy word is truth. Thy word wow. is truth. If you want to grip on reality, the word used in Greek for truth then means reality. Uh, if you want to grip on reality, keep reading the scripture. So let me just recap a minute. So the first thing is that unconditional yes to God. I'm available for you to guide and to direct. The second one is really, we get, when I was in a bank many years ago for a brief period of time, I remember asking about counterfeit notes and or it was quite in the news at that time. And their answer was to put me in a back room with a big stack of, uh, of um, cash notes and say, count them. And when I'd finished, they say, count them again, count them again. And I literally spent hours and did that for uh, over a week. And when I inquired about it, their thinking was, if we get you familiar with the authentic, then if you come across the inauthentic, you are far more likely to instantly recognize it rather than if we take you on a tour of the techniques of forgeries. And it seems to me the same thing applies to the Word of God. If you've got a familiarity with what it says, then if something pops up that doesn't align with it, you're more likely to be able to discern that. Right. God will never desert his character or his Word. Mm. So if you learn what God's character is like, what his word is like or what his Holy Spirit is like, you'll be protected from hearing. I, I want to take you back, though, too, to the story of the man on the uh, foreshore, because even though that's a few years ago, when you and I were talking last week, you were telling me that it had only been that week, I think, that he had then come back and responded to you. Yes. Um, and I want to ask you about that moment where you, together with Darren and Janine, were there and you took the next step of saying, can I pray for you? And many times people in a public place, they're not sure what you're going to do, but your courage in taking that next step, it seems to me that if you just said, oh, that's really love you, hope you have a good trip, bye, then we would not be hearing the story years later of him phoning you up and telling you about what had been happening in his life. That's true that we need to do more than just hear, we've got to be ready to act upon what God says. Yes, I remember years ago reading Charles Spinney on this where he was talking about people who 
like overboard on the sovereignty of God and say, I'm praying for a great crop, etc. But being a farmer who never put seed in the ground, you know, God's not going right. to bring a great crop from the next right. field. You've got to put the seed in the ground. You've got to give the Lord something to work with. But he's involved in the whole process from mm-hmm. prompting you to even put the seed in the ground. I have a go at all sorts of things to see if God might be in it. And uh, the, the outcomes are wonderful, but often there's a gestation period where the seed's in the ground, it hasn't grown, it doesn't look like it ever will. Or the seed is so tiny that you minimize or trivialize your own uh, hope. And yet, if you think of the story of the loaves and fishes and all those things, God takes what's very little to, to bless a lot of people. And yeah. it's those little promptings that you follow that bring you into the place where you have the encounters and uh, the person who makes the thing work is God himself. So you don't have to be wonderful, marvellous, or expansive, mm. or amazing. Pretend it's that. You only have to keep sowing the seeds so abundantly and you reap abundantly. Just have a go. While you're talking about that, see, I remember the first time I ever met you, you were running the Jesus Centre in Christchurch. That's got to be, wow, 35 or more years ago. And I'll never forget, you were living upstairs, I think, and you you took Rhonda and I upstairs. There was a chest of drawers, a bureau or whatever it might be called, and you opened the top drawer and you said, this is uh, something like, this is my blessing drawer. And you invited me to pick anything out of it in there. And you were the first person who ever quoted to me that scripture in 2 Corinthians that God gives seed for sowing and bread for eating. And when something came to you, you'd ask yourself or ask God, am I meant to consume this or am I meant to be part of giving it away? Yes. And that whole thing, like I've often remarked to people, if you want to learn to hear the voice of God, ask him what you should give because it seems to me he always, (laughs) no matter how long, I've often had the Lord say to me things like, uh, someone will give me something and I'll go, I'm meant to give that away. And if that happens, I don't want to hold on to it any longer than I have to. I want to make sure that goes from me. That's right. That seems to me to be a part of hearing the voice of God. And I don't really, I've not really thought it through enough to analyze it, but it just seems to me that having that spirit of openness where you go, I'm ready to obey a spirit of generosity, we might call it, seems to me to be a part of this whole process. Does that make sense? Yes, and it's also how you live. Like a little tradition you and I have, uh, whenever I visited Perth, you would give me your half-used cologne bottles. (laughs) And then one day you gave me a very expensive cologne that had not been opened. And and it it clearly wasn't a cast-off. And I said, why are you giving this to me? I knew that it cost a lot of money. And you said, because you give your best. And and, uh, that was a a moment, you know, that you recall later on. And there have been times since then when I've given something to somebody else and obeyed Philippians to consider others more important than yourself. There are times that you must bless somebody else with what you wish you had. Or, and you give your very best because you're giving it to Jesus. So you give your best 
and uh, the church where we're in right now, where we're recording this, uh, the pastor didn't have much money. And when I was here, not the recent pastor, but a pastor, uh, I had said, look, there's no charge for the preaching. I don't want you to give me any offering. I just want to help. And he and his wife took me to the most expensive restaurant in Cairns because they delight to bless. And I knew they didn't have much money. It was sacrificial given. And they weren't giving it because I was wonderful. They were giving it because God was wonderful and they knew how to give the best. And I believe that's a royal way to live is keep blessing others with what you wish you had. What, what do you do with the things where you go, I, I thought I heard, I obeyed, I don't see any fruit or any result. Like with that man you prayed for on the foreshore, I'm sure you've prayed for hundreds of people in public or places like that, and you haven't heard anything back. So we're celebrating the one which is wonderful, where you get a response. But how do you, what do you do with the things where you have obeyed and don't hear that back? Well, failure is a normal part of life, so there's nothing amazing about it. You just cope with it and go on. Uh, yes, you, you fall, you stumble, you make mistakes. Uh, as a friend of ours said, people who don't make mistakes don't make anything. So you just be willing to make mistakes. So, for example, in my garden, I've sowed zinnias, and most of them never came up, or they came up and they failed. I didn't cry about that because I've gardened long enough to know that's what happens. Some crops fail, some succeed. You just keep going in the hopes that things will work. And I like the practicality of Ecclesiastes 11 where it says keep sowing in the morning and the evening because you don't know what will grow. Perhaps it all will. And life's full of perhaps. They don't all work. Things don't always work. Some of the most amazing breakthroughs I've had astonished me, not just others. <laughs> It's true. Some of we like to think that if it's God, then there will be a great sense of certainty. And I'd say, well, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's trust and not much else. L let me ask you one final question here, because I think of all the things I've seen trip people up when it comes to living a larger life, being led by the Spirit, it would be the sense of unworthiness that prevents many people believing God will say anything or lead them. I'm amazed how many people will begin a conversation with me saying, I'm not a very good Christian. And I think if you're his child, you're his child. I've had three children. They weren't always well behaved, but they were always my children. What do you say to someone who's wrestling with that? There is a scripture that talks about how we have believed the love that God has for us. And only God can help you believe for it. You can, be, you can apply to believe it and you can ask to believe it. I, I remember pleading with God saying, tell me I'm your boy and that you love me. And somebody came to me and said, the Lord told me to tell you you're his boy and he loves you. And I was as cold as a stone. It didn't help one iota. <laughs> What I needed was to accept it by faith. That's great. That's great. Eventually the knowledge grew in me. Wow. Scripture declares I'm loved, so I am, whether I feel like it or not. And, and I've seen uh, in a friend's marriage where his wife lied to him and told uh, when they were engaged, 
she pretended to be pregnant so that he would marry her. And then when he did marry her, she always knew she'd tricked him. And sometime after that, she went through some dreadful things and some news came out and he forgave her and loved her and stood with her through the hard times. Mm -hmm. She discovered for herself that she was loved and she didn't need any pretense and she didn't need a calling card or a qualification. And the Bible says we have been qualified to inherit with the saints in the light. Now, if we have been qualified, you stop trying to be qualified. I know I'm pardoned and forgiven and loved uh, so I can get on with the bang. But obedience is not what brings the blessing. It's what opens you up to the blessing. It's like cashing a check in the old days. You do it because it is your money to pray. And you're not usurping. You're not asking for something. It's not yours. God's got, God's got a big, generous heart. He delights mm. to bless, and he wants to give you fulfilling adventures. Yeah. I think that's uh, one of the things that I've always most loved about your ministry, Marcus, is your ability to make things that are extraordinary seem quite accessible to those of us who feel very ordinary. Uh, can I just ask... We all are, uh, but I think we tend to think other people are way more qualified or better. Can I ask you before we finish, because we'll need to end this, but would can I ask you to pray for everyone? And there's people on Facebook Live, there's people on YouTube, there's people in the building here with us, wherever people are, and it'll be across a whole lot of different time zones. I'd love it if you would pray for everyone that we will have the confidence and the strength to go on the journey because uh, all of us, none of us have arrived. None of us have got it all together. We're on the journey. Would you pray for us for that? It'd be great. I'd be glad to do it. Heavenly Father, I thank, thank you, Lord, that you love your people and you love those who haven't found you. And you've said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the doors shall be opened. And so, Father, I pray for each person listening that they will find you, that they will hear you speaking in their hearts, that they will see you at work in their circumstance, and that they will follow you and find abundant life, life richly fulfilled, life where you give answers and where you do works that we just discover you're at work in our lives, not that we produce them, but that you Keep on producing good things, good encounters, good blessings. We thank you that you're a God who loves to encourage and to bless you, but a bigger heart than us. It's easy for you to give us pardon. It's easy for you to give us blessing. It's easy for you to qualify us for all the things you promised. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Marcus, thank you so much. It's always a joy to be with you and uh, have conversation with you. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless you and all that God leads you in. Thank you, Jeff. God bless you.